for listening to Hope Central's latest message. You can learn more about Hope Central or find more messages at hopecentral.org.au. unusual message to share with you today. Um, something the Lord dropped into my heart over the last couple of weeks, and I've just put it into this message. So I'm going to see how it goes. Uh, I'm not going to make any promises, but God's word is going to be great. Joe, not so much, but we can just look past that as we look into the face of Jesus. Now, we are going to be talking today about, we're going to be talking about the power of the comforter. Everybody who has a a cold winter knows the power of a comforter. (laughs) The comforter is what a name for the Holy Spirit that's used by Jesus in the New Testament that I think is one of the most brilliant ways of saying something about what the Holy Spirit does that I think I've overlooked a lot. What is the power of comfort? Why, Why would you use the word comforter? Like, if, if you were to Jesus and you were telling the disciples, hey, guys, I'm going to be going soon. you know, like, me who can raise the dead. Me who can open my blind eyes. Me who can terrify your foes so they don't even come close to you. Like, but don't worry, I'm going to leave you with a comforter. Like, would you be kind of like, ah. Uh, like, I was expecting more. But, but there is, the way that the Holy Spirit is talked about is full of power. In fact, as, as a Pentecostal person, which is I, I am, which means that I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just like on the day of Pentecost. So if you read in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and he baptizes the people with power. Now, a Pentecostal is somebody who believes that that's for everybody at any time, that we can all can receive that blessing. And what the promise of that blessing is that we'll receive power, not a comforter. Do you know what I mean? But Jesus is not wrong. Like, he's not kind of going, oh, no, wait, no, no, comforter and power. No, no, it's just... The comforter and the power are, are actually very closely linked. I want to talk about that today. Um, we, we all need power, don't we? I mean, the, the other day, there was this great lightning clap. We were at our, at our house. There was this great lightning clap, and the power went out in our house. And you can tell what happens in people's faces. They, it's like a death of a, a child. Like, they just go, the power's out. What, what will I do? I nothing, you know, and immediately people turn their phones and look for torches because it's like we can't survive without power these days, right? We're like power addicts. I actually think that's something that Jesus knows about us. We, we have this constant understanding that there is a way for our lives to get better if we could just connect to more power. If we could just have more power, our life would be better. I mean, just this week, I was uh, at a national executive meeting. One of, the, one of the members showed up, and he's got bandages here and there and the other places because he's had all of this skin cut out of his body so that he can have it, uh, you know, tested to see if it's got cancer. And, um, yeah, the result came back, yes, melanoma. And in that moment, you realize we just don't have enough power, do we? We, 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 as human beings, can't even control the skin of our own bodies. It does things that we don't want it to do. And in those moments, you feel like, that's just, I just don't have enough. Or maybe it's, maybe it's for you, it's a person or a friend that you care about. And you just, I wish I could help them, but I can't. Maybe it's a mental health issue. Maybe it's a life issue. But whatever it is, we live in this constant understanding that we're limited in power. And of course, there's people who want more power that shouldn't have it. 
right? Vladimir Putin wants more power. We just say no. Just affirm no. Because you don't do good things with that power. I think sometimes even Pentecostals can be a bit more a power addict than a Holy Spirit addict. Um, we've been looking at all this year about this verse in the, in the, in the Bible where Jesus makes this, this uh, proclamation, promise, claim, offer, where he says, come unto me, all you are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find a rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. Now, we've been talking all this year about how Christ wants us to yoke our lives to his life because if, he, if we let him lead, if we, if we order our life after the pattern that he set, that our lives will just get easier. Do you know that? Like, it is way easier to live a sinless life than a sin-filled life because sin just adds weight and burden and problems and pain and struggle and strife, and it's just, it's just worse. I don't know. If you know people who are like that, people who live immoral lives have more problems, but oftentimes you can't live the moral life that you want to live, right? Like you're not as though Jesus is saying, hey, why don't you pick the right way? Oh, I never thought of that. We all want to. We just can't. Well, of course, there's some that don't want to, but eventually the pain wears them down. But Jesus said, no, what you need to do is take my yoke upon you because I'm going to make your life easier. Now, what we're going to talk about, we've been talking about all this month is how it's actually the power of Christ that makes our lives easier. Because if we're constantly living by our own strength, under our own efforts, with our own you know, abilities, it's heavy, it's hard, it's heavy laden. But what Christ does is he, it's not just him, but it's his spirit that comes to us. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us that changes us from being human into being superhuman. Not superman, but superhuman. Now Jesus said that it is a natural and a normal thing for you to expect him to give you power. If you're kind of thinking, no, no, Jesus is always expecting me to figure this out on my own, to do my own effort, to put my own hard yards in and get there myself, Jesus never said that. He constantly pointed us to the fact that we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. At one time, he was again on offers. And he's not saying, come unto me who all every late. And this time, now he's saying, if you're thirsty, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And if you follow your theology correctly, you know that until Jesus went to heaven, until his sacrifice was received by the Father, that the Holy Spirit could not come. Because the Holy's first name, the Holy Spirit's first name is holy. holy, and we're not. So, in Christ, until Christ made us holy, we could not receive the Holy Spirit. But when Christ made us holy before the Father, because Christ's sacrifice purifies us, it's not our efforts; it's His effort makes us clean, guilt-free, shame-free, debt-free. And then the Holy Spirit can be given. So the Holy Spirit comes and Jesus said, it's like a flowing river. It'll just bubble up inside you. It'll flow out from you. It's going to be far more than your life needs. The Holy Spirit is coming to you, but not just to you. It's also coming through you. The Holy Spirit's power is going to come and make everyone else's life better and, and transform the world in which we live. We're supposed to believe in that promise. And so it says, when they came together in Acts chapter 1, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And of those, all of those words, if you don't know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, that's all places very close to where Jesus was now standing. And he's basically saying, it's going to break out from here. It's going everywhere. We're going worldwide! <laughs> Jesus makes this promise that you will receive the power of the Holy no, But notice where their mind is. They're all like, Lord, when are you going to give us political power back? Because that's the only power people understand. And can I just say that there's a lot of Christians today that are looking for political means to bring morality back to the world. Looking for ways to enact laws or governance that will bring people back to righteousness. And these disciples were saying the very same thing. Lord, are you going to fix the nation? Are you going to give us the political power back? And Jesus says, I know that you think that's a great idea, but I've got a new idea. That is, I'll dwell in people. You see, the gospel is what liberates people. That gospel is what brings morality. The gospel is what brings holiness. Not legalism, not religion, but the gospel of Jesus Christ who dies for us so that we're not working constantly. And then we're not self-righteous because Jesus does the righteous part. I do the self part. We, we become like him and he transforms us. And in that way, you see, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we become a witness not for ourselves, but a witness for Christ. Yes. You will be my witnesses, not your own witness. And Jesus promises this gift of the Holy Spirit to everyone. So here is the first time that Jesus is speaking about it from which we get the word comforter. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now that word is translated comforter. To be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. It's a whole new thing. I mean, so far, everyone, all the disciples have known is Jesus on the outside right? Where's Jesus? He's there. Jesus is in Galilee. Jesus is in Jerusalem. Jesus is over here. He's there. Where's Jesus? He's one place. And they only know him from an outside perspective. They see him. They hear him. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. From, from the point of my resurrection, when I ascend to heaven, I will be in you. And you will have knowledge of me, a relationship with me that is internal first, and then external. You will, you will know me. And, and I love this, he says, you will receive the comforter. Now, the, the word comforter in Greek that we're reading there is parakletos, meaning uh, from two Greek words, para, which we probably know fairly well, parallel lines. It means alongside. And then kletos is, means to call. Call somebody. Calling! To be called alongside. And so it's like that when someone is called alongside, they intercede for you. They're they are a consoler. Come over here and help me. It means an advocate or a comforter. Uh, I like uh, Thayer's definition. He says, it's to be summoned, to be called along one's side, especially to be called to one's aid. Isn't that amazing? And that's why the word is translated comforter. Because you ever notice that things just get better when someone shows up alongside you? Everything changes. 
How many people ever went to high school? Yeah. High school is where we learn conformity through peer pressure. Right? When you're, when you're in elementary school, you can wear the weird shoes and have the funny hair and smell, and no one notices. They just are, right? You run around, you're yourself, everybody's just kind of like, oh yeah. And you get to high school, no. No, 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 no. And there's this power to just, there's this need to just kind of conform to the group, what other people say. If you're different, you hide it. You begin to, you begin to disguise the things about yourself that you don't think other people will like. You dress like them, you talk like them. You don't let anybody know if there's a difference. Unless, unless there's someone else weird like you. Unless there's somebody else different like you who's beside you. Because you're like, you don't care then. Because you're the two weird ones. There's, there is fundamentally something different about the way that we live as soon as we know that there's somebody with us. Because this idea of being called alongside is more than just the power, it's the relationship. And I want to talk about that today, about the relationship side of this power. Because the way that the relationship with the Holy Spirit transforms us. Now, I, in 1987, I came to know Jesus Christ. January the 24th, I think, just before my birthday, which is January the 26th for those who are planning ahead. Received the gift of the, uh, received salvation in Jesus Christ, but I didn't know about the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So eventually I made my way to a, uh, a youth group that um, taught me, the youth pastor taught me about that. You know, she's like, have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, no, what's that? Like, I'm serious. I'm just like the Bible in the book of Acts. There's people who literally had that conversation. And now, what's that? And she's like, well... You know, she showed me a few verses, and I was like, well, that's pretty amazing. So I went home, and I read the book of Luke, and I read the book of Acts, because I was that kind of guy. And after I read through them, this is like a Tuesday or something, I was so desperate to receive the Holy Spirit that I got on the phone. This is before mobile phone days, and I'm literally calling everywhere to find out where my youth pastor was. And when I couldn't find her on the phone, I just started driving places. (laughs) So eventually, I went to her dad's house, and... And she wasn't there, but he told me that where she was. So I went and I found her and I said, you have to give me, I have to give this to the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I could have asked him. <laughs> I was just, you know, you're the one who had the message. I'll take the package. So I, I went there and she, you know, we prayed. She laid hands on me and I received the gift of the Holy Spirit. I began to speak in tongues, just a few words, but it was the start. And then after that, people told me about all of the different things that were going to happen. And all of those things have happened. I've got words of knowledge for people. I know things about people I shouldn't know. I, I can prophesy over people. I've laid my hands on people and seen blind people see again. Deaf people hear. I have done that. So, you know, I'm not talking about some other science. I'm talking, I've seen it happen. I've seen legs grow up, backs be healed, cancer be cured. I've seen all of that stuff, all of that stuff. But you know what? I'll tell you what the biggest change in me is. And it's not that. It's the fact that I became confident Until the Holy Spirit was with me, I was not a confident person. But the day the Holy Spirit came into my life, I got bold. And that is a lot of what the New Testament talks about. You see, we all look for superheroes. Like we want that call alongside, come help me, Superman. I love how the Monty Python 
just makes fun of this because they just made fun of everyone's super superhero quest by having a guy called Bicycle Repairman. And they did this whole sketch. Somebody's bicycle breaks down. They go, oh, no, Bicycle Repairman. And then Bicycle Repairman went, ah, you know, he'd come and he'd fix their bike. <laughs> oh, then a day's work for Bicycle Repairman. But the difference in this one is everybody's a superhero, but they can't fix bikes. So they need this guy who just can fix bikes <laughs> to come and help them. But I think we're kind of like, we are, we are call alongside superhero help me addicted these days. That's what the bat symbol is all about, right? If you're having problems, the city's breaking down, the penguin's on the loose, you crank the bat light and Batman comes to the rescue because what we all need is a guy in tights with a utility belt, don't we? That's what everybody's looking for. We want the guy who's got the abilities to solve the problems. Now, that whole, I need outside help, Call that one alongside me. That superhero genre that we know and know so well has got to be replaced with this. And that's what Jesus is saying. You need the Holy Spirit. I don't care what your problem is. You need the Holy Spirit. Do you you know what I'm saying? Come on, Janice is clapping. No one else is clapping here. We got to get more claps for the Holy Spirit, right? I don't care what's going on, you're depressed, you're happy, you're doing things, you're going great, things are going bad. Whatever's going on, get that spirit light on because we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And in fact, the Bible teaches us we should never ever be out of the habit of relying on the Holy Spirit. We should never be out of the relationship of calling on the Holy Spirit. We should never not be being filled with the Holy Spirit. He's the one who says it's going to be all right. I'm here to help. And it's the most important presence is the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, I want to go back to this idea. You know, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Now, yoke is oftentimes seen as this instructive thing. You've got to learn to walk like Christ. You've got to have a discipline in your life. You've got to have some guidance in your life, a yoke. But the word yoke is used elsewhere in the Bible to mean marriage. And the word helper that the Holy Spirit is called is used elsewhere in the Bible to mean wife or husband, since they were one another's helpers. You see, when Jesus said, I don't want you to be alone, I don't want you to be an orphan, I will come to you, it's the exact same language as when God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. You say, and then, of course, God had to put Adam to sleep. The Lord called a deep sleep to fall on the man while he did surgery. I just had knee surgery last week, and they put me to sleep. It's really good of them to do that. The Lord did it first. <laughs> well, he slept. He took one of his ribs and closed up the place with the flesh and the rib that the Lord had taken from the man. He made it into a woman. He brought it to the man. And then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And so I don't know if I'm saying it like that. <laughs> she shall be called woman because she has taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. I I mean, I've recently had to do a lot of weddings, and um, it's nice, isn't it? It's nice. It's pathetic, but it's nice. These these people, (laughs) these people actually believe this other person is going to make them happy. (laughs) (laughs) It's totally false advertising. Now, just 
Settle down, folks. Don't look at your spouse. <laughs> you see, we have this idea because it is, it is not, we are so not okay when we're just alone, a single person. And, I, and not, this is nothing against singleness because singleness, other, single people need other people too, right? We can't be alone. And so the, what God says, we need other people. So I will make a helper in the same way as Jesus said, I will send the helper so that you will become complete. I mean, I'm one of those kind of people that has, I could not function as a human being without my wife. Like, and everybody who knows Jody goes, uh-huh, yeah, all right. Like, I could not live without her, because I'm just one of those people that's really made with only, with, I'm lopsided. I've got a certain kind of gifts and abilities, and then nothing else. So I need her. Other people, they're a lot more complete than I am. No, I am not. So I desperate, I got married young because that was the way to keep the world safe. Okay, so... But this idea that we've made it into, the I complete you, you know, the Jerry Maguire, you had me at hello, you complete me, is the, one of the largest and the most painful myths in all humanity because you've taken, in the same way as you take the idea we want a superhero, someone to call alongside to help you, you take that idea and you transfer it to humanity. And you say, oh, if I only had, if only this person was here, then my life would be fine, I'd be complete, I would be so happy. And it turns out, Human helpers are not enough. Yes. You know, we, we know scriptures like this one, which we read at weddings. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toll. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who's alone. He falls, is not another to lift him up again. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. And how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And three, four colds is not quickly broken. See, we understand, and it's all there in the scriptures, and we keep thinking it's people. It was never about human helpers. Ephesians chapter 5, in the whole long talk about husbands and wives, he finishes that talk by saying, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying it refers to Christ in the church. Can you, can you think about this for a minute? Every illustration that humanity has to offer about good things. Family, marriage, friends, companionship. Every good thing that you could find here on earth is only an illustration of the one great relationship, the one great marriage, and that is you and the Holy Spirit. The two of you together can accomplish anything. The two of you together transforms the world. It's never been about that. You see, the third chord is the Holy Spirit. Like Zechariah says, he said to me, this, word, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by, my, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Things change when the spirit gets involved. It's not about the human power or might. It's the spirit. So, Jesus said, we need the Holy Spirit. He said, and I'm just going to run through quickly. Jesus was baptized. And when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came on him. But what did the Holy Spirit say? I am here to save the day. <laughs> I, or look out world, here we come. No, 
When the Spirit comes, you hear this voice. You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. You see how the Spirit brings the comfort of the relationship. The, the sense of unity with God. The, the, the knowledge that you're accepted and that you're His. And He will always be on your side. You see, the presence is more than just power. He comes to give us the knowledge of the favor of God towards us. And then Jesus goes from that position and he ends up returning in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and reports went everywhere. So Jesus comes back and it says in the Gospel of Luke that he comes back in the power of the Spirit. He doesn't just come back Jesus, carpenter from Nazareth. He comes back Jesus plus one. Please change my wedding invitation to Jesus plus one. The Holy Spirit is now with me. And everyone begins to notice he's different. He teaches with power, with authority. He's casting out demons. He's doing miracles. He does all kinds of things. He says, even when he preached, he says, the spirit is a lo- of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He said to proclaim liberty to the captives or recovery of sight to the blind. See that, but you notice how the first thing is the spirit of the Lord. You see, you can't do any of the things if the Spirit of the Lord is not doing the things. And then, of course, we hear stories like this. One time, Jesus is is trying to teach in somebody's house. There's a giant crowd, but, of course, people know that he's more than a teacher. He's also a healer, so they bring their friend. He's a paralytic. How do you again? Front door is not wheelchair-friendly. It's blocked up. So what do they do? Well, they take a paralyzed man up on top of the roof, dig through a hole, and then lower him down in front of Jesus. And Jesus is like, awesome, guys. I'm loving the faith. Loving it. I love how you expect me to heal with bits of twigs and things in his hair now because of the hole. But, and then he says this, which is easier. I love that. Which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or rise and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. He said to the man who's paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. Immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he'd been lying on, and he went home glorifying God. Now, what the Gospel of Luke wants you to know is all of these things happened because the Holy Spirit did them. The Holy Spirit was there. And the Gospel of Luke, the author is the same author as Acts, which is why he starts out the book. He says, in the first book, O Theophilus, which means lover of God, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up He's given command through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while he was with them, he ordered them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, which you said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus' statement is this, do not Leave your house without the Holy Spirit. Do not go anywhere. Do not try to accomplish anything. Do not, do not try to solve it by yourself. Come and get the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Have the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Do everything in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Which is why I want to finish on this verse today. In 2 Timothy 1, chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, he says this. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. Do you notice how 
Two of those words, love and self-control, are things that happen when people have good relationships. When you know that you're loved, you live healthy, you live wisely, you live with a sense of completeness, but it also affects your mental health. That word self-control also can talk about sound-mindedness. You think clearer. You think more positively. You think with a better imagination. The power part is the thing that people become obsessed with. But I want to tell you today, if your life is not filled with the Holy Spirit, then you will not live a life of love and self-control. You will not live the life that you want to live because the Holy Spirit not only has power to do things out there, but also deeply done things in you. And I just felt today that there, there's a big need for us to reconnect with the Holy Spirit. If I said to my wife on the wedding day, yes, I do, of course I do, because I am desperate and you complete me. Sorry, I think I was standing on this side. Yes, I do. You're going to get the job done for me. Thank you, the Batman of relationships. You are going to make my life better from now on. And I say, and from now on, anytime I need you, you'll just see that bat symbol in the sky. Is that really a relationship of love? You see, when we come yoked together, her life and my life begin to blend into each other because of the constant relationship, the constant love, the constant forgiveness, the constant hope, the constancy of the relationship. And I see, uh, this is what I see Paul saying to Timothy. See, Timothy is his junior partner, you know, his, his Robin to the Batman. And Timothy is struggling with his confidence. You can tell it from the book. And he says, I want you to, you remember when the Holy Spirit came on you and you were different? Remember when I laid my hands on you? I want to stir that up again. I want to stir that relationship up again so that you can have power. Because that spirit that you're under now that's full of fear, that's full of insecurity, that's full of weakness, that's full of lies, that spirit where you're constantly saying, I can't do this, I can't make it, I can't get this done. That's not the spirit comes from God. Because the Holy Spirit called alongside you. is saying, it's all right, I'm here now. We can do this. And I want to stir that relationship. Can I get the musicians to come? What I'm going to ask you to do today is if you're feeling, I just need more. Like you might have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're like, yeah, but I need that stirred up again. I need my relationship stirred up to get closer to him, to know him, to walk with him. If that's you, then I'm going to ask you to do a bold thing today and just step out. Because you need to be stirred up in your relationship with the Holy Spirit so that you are more aware of him, more thoughtful of him, more empowered by him. But if you've never been received, never received the Holy Spirit before, This is an opportunity. In the same way as I received the promise of the Father, you can too. It's not my promise, his promise. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in his power, to see power at work in you and out of you, then I want you to come so that we can pray together and you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit.
Could I ask everybody to stand as I pray? So, Father, we are just so grateful that you are the one who sends the ones we need. You sent your son at just the right time, as we heard in communion. You sent your son. You sent your son to save us, to teach us, to guide us, to reveal you to us. And then you sent your spirit. And your spirit has come to transform us, to make us to what we're supposed to be. We can't live without him. So I'm praying, Father, that you will put conviction on every heart here today. A conviction that knows that we need you. A conviction that is absolutely desperate to have more of you. Lord, there's people who are worn out. There's people who have health problems. People who have mental health problems. People who are struggling. People who are are going for it, but realizing that their efforts and their abilities are limited. And my prayer is, Father, that you would make them aware of your desire to help. That you will send the helper, the one who will complete them. Give to them what they need. And that you give papal faith right now to believe that as they step forward, that you will fill them with your power. Fill them with a new enlivened encouragement, a new ability, a new thought, a healing. Lord, I pray that you would draw every person that you know is empty in the well and needs an infilling. And Lord, I pray that you would give us confidence by faith that you are a God of promises and you will fulfill them as we reach out to you. Lord, our our bat symbol is the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit we're putting up there. Holy Spirit, come, we pray. Come and fill us as we respond to you. We pray in Jesus' name. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.